Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Sedgwick, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well, hello there, and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with Icy. I'm your host, Icy Cedric, although if you've ever listened to an episode before, I don't think you would necessarily get my voice mixed up with anyone else. Now, can you believe that we're into June already? I can't, but there you go, I don't really have any control over time. Now, June is the month of Midsummer, and unless you're in the UK and you hear Midsummer and think Midsummer murders, generally you'd associate Midsummer with a Midsummer Night's Dream. And the thing that always stands out for me from A Midsummer Night's Dream is how mischievous the fairies are. And Shakespeare definitely captured their whimsical side, but also their dangerous side as well. So because of this fairy extravaganza that you get at Midsummer, I thought it seemed only right that June would be fairy folklore month. Now, obviously I'm going to stick with British folklore as I'm in Britain, so it's generally easier for me to find and, and whatnot. And I'm deliberately going to focus in this episode on Northumberland. Obviously, it's because I'm up in this neck of the woods, but it's also a really wild and often mysterious part of the country. If you don't know where it is, it's basically the huge county that's just south of the Scottish border that basically stretches from that border all the way down to Newcastle. So it's quite quite a large county. So it's actually quite an empty county in a lot of ways. There's obviously villages and there's some towns, I think, Morpeth and Annick and so on. But there's actually a large amount of just empty space, be that moorland or farmland. And when you consider the turbulent history of the place, I mean, it was continually being raided by reavers. And, you know, we've had all the hoo-ha about is it part of Scotland, is it part of England throughout its history. So where better for fairies to settle than in one of the in-between places? So this week, we're going to travel back in time, we're going to go to the days before modern medicine, the internal combustion engine, and widespread literacy. So there's a place in Northumberland called Elsdon, and they used to have a gibbet there, called, as you might imagine, the Elsdon Gibbet, and there was a midwife who lived near there, and she was known locally as Howdy. People knew of her skills for miles around, and she never lacked work. Obviously, this is pre-NHS times, and you wouldn't necessarily have your local GP to pop along to see if anything was wrong. Now, one night, a messenger on horseback woke her up. That wasn't necessarily anything unusual. She was used to this kind of thing. And it turned out his mistress needed her urgent assistance. Would she come and help? Howdy said yes, no problem. Obviously, that's her job. She's used to this kind of thing. Although it was a little bit unusual that the messenger asked her to wear a blindfold on the journey. Still, Howdy knew that the Lord sometimes got servants into trouble, so maybe discretion was required. But she wouldn't know that she was actually going to be meeting a fairy instead. So the rider takes her on this strange journey. She hasn't got a clue where she's going, what's around her, anything like that. And he leads her to a cottage. She finally takes off the blindfold, and there's this beautiful, warm, but unfamiliar room around them, and a beautiful lady's lying on the bed. So obviously, Howdy sets aside the blindfold, and she gets to work because that's what she's good at. She delivers the baby, all seems well. Baby's healthy, mam's healthy, all's good. And an old lady comes into the room, and she hands over this box of ointment, and she asks Howdy to anoint the baby's eyes with it. But there was a condition. The old woman was insistent that the ointment should not touch 
Howdy's eyes. Fair enough, no problem. Howdy's already used to this being particularly weird, and she agrees. She anoints the baby's eyes, but then, unfortunately, her own left eye began to water. Obviously, what do you do when your eye starts watering? You instinctively rub at it, don't you? So, without thinking, Howdy did exactly that. And the whole scene changed. So, out of one eye, she can still see the cottage and the woman who's now holding the baby. And then, out of the other eye, the left eye that she rubbed with the ointment, she can now see the rough stone walls of a cave. And the beautiful woman and baby are now really ugly and misshapen. And she suddenly goes, oh no, I've delivered a fairy child. Somehow she keeps her composure and the messenger takes her home. Everything seems fine. The fairy fathers get sent her back with plenty of gold. Basically, she'd done her job. So, you know, there was nothing to worry about, really. So, Howdy thought little of it. She carried on with her job, delivering babies, looking after them. All seemed like that was the end of the affair. But a short while later, she went to the local market. And out of her left eye, she could see the old woman stealing butter from each stall. So she was just taking a little bit of a scrape from each stall. Howdy tried to pretend that she hadn't seen her. But as the old woman got closer, she obviously twigged that Howdy had recognised her. So she storms up to Howdy. Which eye can you see me with? She asks. Howdy can't see any reason to lie. So points to her left eye. And then the old woman blows into her face. Take that, she says. Howdy loses the sight in her left eye and remains blind for the rest of her life in that eye. Obviously, Fairy's not being very happy that she can actually see them. But she wasn't the only health professional to encounter the fairies. And in a similar tale, it's a country doctor that accompanies a strange messenger to a remote part of the hills. In this case, though, the messenger actually gives the, the doctor a jar of ointment and asks him to rub it on his eyes. So the doctor does that. And this magnificent door appears in the side of a hill, just in the middle of nowhere. But this time, the doctor actually worked out that he was about to meet a fairy, because obviously, who else would live in a place like that? And how else would you suddenly account for doors appearing in the sides of hills? Now, the difference with the doctor is he'd heard of the tales of fairy gold, and obviously thought, oh, excellent, this is going to be quite a good payday then. So the messenger leads him inside, and the doctor finds a lavish hall in front of him. And in this case, the patient's lying on a mound of furs, and it's just opulence and wealth and sort of abundance as far as the eye can see. The doctor's obviously quite impressed by all of this, but you know, he gets on with his job, he attends to his patient, and again, safely delivers the baby. All is well, or so you think. So he leaves the hall, and the messenger then tells him to anoint his eyes a second time. But this time, the doctor only actually rubbed the ointment on one eye, and he just mimed rubbing it on the other one. So obviously he'd now seen the splendour of the fairy world and wanted to be able to enter it again. But his quest was not to be. So a few days later, he's then at the market in Morpeth to buy supplies. And then, as he's just wandering around looking at all the souls, he notices the fairy husband. And he's prancing around stealing corn and other items from the different stalls. And the doctor totally forgets that no one else can see him and challenges him. The fairy father, obviously quite annoyed at this point, blows into his face and strikes the doctor blind in both eyes. Now, there are other tales and variations of these two all over the country. And I know I've shared things like this on Twitter before, and there's always somebody's heard a variation from where they live. But in all of these stories, fairy ointment becomes the key to seeing the fairies, either in their true form or at all. Now, the doctor gets it wrong when he thinks, oh, if I've got the, the ointment on, I can see the fairy world, and it's all very splendid. Because what the ointment actually does is reveals their true form. 
So the magic salve acts as a way to remove a fairy's glamour. Now, we think of glamour and you might think of the magazine or the Oscars or the Met Ball or all these glamorous people in these fancy clothes and so on. That's the, the modern meaning of the word. The original meaning means to bewitch a person. So you might adopt a glamour to fool someone into saying something or something else. So in a way, it's kind of a form of like psychic fancy dress, as it were. So applying the ointment grants the person the ability to see through the glamour. So in the case of Howdy, she accidentally then sees through the glamour with one eye, but not the other. So from her right eye, which isn't covered in ointment, she can still see what the fairies want her to see, but out the left eye, she sees the world as it actually is. So other stories use the ointment to see the fairies in the first place. Now this implies that they're, they're invisible to humans and only the salve actually grants the ability to see them. So the doctor needs to use it in order to help them, but then applying more seems to cancel out the effect unless the messenger gives him a different ointment afterwards. In Howdy's case, it's completely accidental. She never intends to apply it herself. So in her case, it's an accident. In the doctor's case, he's basically deliberately ignoring the instruction that he's given. But either way, you notice the fairy's reaction. I'm going to strike you blind. I'm going to take this power away from you. But it's not just... I'm going to rub your eyes so you won't be able to see us anymore. It's no, you're not going to be able to see anything at all. And this is the thing. The fairies in folklore are very rarely the cuddly and cute kind that just flit about granting wishes. That particular version actually dates to the Victorian era. And that's when fairies were actually conflated with cherubs. And they became like the fairies at the bottom of the garden or the flower fairies and so on and so forth. And it's those versions that were kind of made famous through the Cottingley fairies photographs. Whereas in earlier centuries... Fairies were actually tricksters, and they never granted wishes unless there was something in it for them. And they might leave out food, for example, and then anyone who ate it was doomed to stay in the fairy realm forever. There's actually a type of fungus that's sometimes referred to as fairy butter, because I think it's bright yellow, and people would obviously avoid it, saying, oh, if you eat that, you'll be stuck in the land of fairy, and you wouldn't necessarily want to do that. It's also quite a common motif within mythology as well, because if you look at Persephone, She's then doomed to spend six months of the year in the underworld because she eats pomegranate seeds while she's there. And it's only by not eating fairy food that you get to avoid being stuck in that realm. I actually use that in my book, The Stolen Ghost. And I'm sorry for this shameless plug, but it is relevant. Where somebody eats the food of the particular realm that they're in and then more or less get trapped there. And it was because of that idea of, you know, if you then consume something from that realm or use something from that realm, you can then see it or experience it or be stuck there. So what you need to remember out of all of this is fairies might grant you wish, but they might also bind you into some kind of deal with them, or they might steal your child and leave a changeling in its place. But either way, you're basically better off keeping out of the way of fairies. That being said, I am going to do a post in two weeks' time, in time for Midsummer on how to create a fairy-friendly garden because there are a lot of plants that fairies are particularly drawn to, such as foxgloves and also fuchsia bushes, I think, if I remember correctly. And if you particularly want to call fairies to your garden, you might wonder how. So we're going to have a look at that in two weeks' time. Next week, we're going to have a look at two more stories of fairies and how they've interacted with humans, again in Northumberland. So I apologise if you've never been to Northumberland and you've no idea where I'm talking about but that's just an excuse to visit, really, isn't it? Uh, Northumberland is a really, really lovely county. Uh, it's really pretty, and it's just really quite wild and mysterious and gorgeous if you're into landscape photography and all that jazz. 
So that's it for this week. As I say, next week we're going to look at the Rothley fairies and then the week after we're going to have a look at how to create a fairy friendly garden. If you've got any other requests for things you'd like me to cover that are related to fairies this month, please feel free to drop me an email, uh, leave a comment on this post, which is www.icsedgwick.com forward slash fairies, or you can tweet me just at icsedgwick. And that's Sedgwick is just S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. doesn't have an extra E in it. Normally when I tell people that, they go, oh, are you sure? As if I've been spelling my surname wrong all these years. But I digress. It's been lovely hanging out with you, as always. Please do feel free to leave me a comment or you can always support me on Patreon if you'd like me to continue making these episodes. It's only a dollar a month in the UK. That's like 70p or something. And you get all of the posts and all of the content and everything like that. And if I earn enough from Patreon, I'm going to turn this into a YouTube channel. Won't that be fun? So anyway, without further ado, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. And I'll see you next week. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio.